0: ladies and gentlemen, and we're off. Parsha VaYishlach. So, I think the most obvious problem with Parsha VaYishlach Yishlach is that Yaakov seems a little bit like, uh, a little bit insane, actually. He sends gifts to his brother Esav, thinking that, I mean, he'll probably be okay with the fact that I stole his entire life. I stole 300,000 of his Tesla shares. I stole his birthright. I stole his identity. And it's going to be okay because I sent him 30 camels. So who wouldn't be okay with 30 camels? He's going to be really, really excited. And in fact, he says that. It says, I've been living with on, and I've delayed until now, and I've made all this money. I'm sending this to you, not the gift, by the way. He hasn't gotten to the gift yet. I'm sending the information to you for you to know that I've been very successful. Because I think that for some reason that's going to make you happy. Why would that make him happy? He hates you. I mean, if you told him, if he got a message from Aram the Haraim saying that, like, Yaakov died of diarrhea and rotted in hell, he would be very, very happy to hear that. Like, that would be much more intuitive, because he hates him. He hates him. The Medra says, in fact, that when he comes, when he comes to see Yaakov, he goes, I'm not gonna kill him with a sword. No. No, no, no. I'm gonna kill him with my teeth. I'm gonna rip his head off with my teeth. I'm gonna drink his blood. So, like, he's, Esav is very, very authentic. In his hate towards Yaakov, and Yaakov, for some reason, thinks, "Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be okay."
1: Why? Answer.
0: You can answer that. Answer away, brother.
1: Okay. The answer is when he says, "In Lav mm-hmm. he was letting Asaph know because when Asaph came in to Yitzhak to get the blessing, Yitzhak said to him, "If Yaakov, meaning the Jewish people, add or subtract from the Torah, you will be able to."
0: Right.
1: So, so, well, when he's getting the brother, he says, if they add or subtract from the Torah, you will be the one who will be victorious.
0: To supplant. Whatever they
1: do, they will be subservient to you.
0: So it's going to make him happy to hear that Yaakov did not
1: miss out on so any Yaakov of the Torah? Yaakov was warning him, saying, I didn't. Oh. I kept all the mitzvahs. Therefore, if you think yes. that now you can be stronger <laughs> than me,
0: no. That's, because I was that's very nice. And there is, in fact, a medrash like that that Rashi cites. He says, in love on Garti. this is the famous medrash that we all learned when we were in kindergarten. Garti is the same gematria as mitzvah yag So you should know. You better be very, very careful because I kept all the mitzvahs when I was over there except the fact that I married two sisters and except, you know, all the things that I didn't do. But we're going to say that I did do it. Um, But that's not the issue. Yaakov is for sure very, very afraid of Asim. That's clear because it says, Vayira Yaakov Me'od. Okay, he's not just like afraid. He's terrified, petrified, stupefied. The
1: definition is very afraid.
0: Very afraid, exactly. Vayira Yaakov Me'od. He's very afraid. Um, what's my answer to why Rashi says in Targets of the So hold up, you'll see. Now, when he says, He's saying that I'm telling you this information because you're going to be happy with the information. That means that Yaakov thinks, not because you're going to be intimidated by the information, you're going to be happy. It's going to find favor in your eyes. Why would it find favor in his eyes? It's bizarre. And then, sure enough, when they come back from Esav, they say, Yeah, by the way, um, we went to see your brother, and he's coming to meet you with 400 men, which is not what you do at a family barbecue. Like, if you're getting 400 men from Seir hakhuri and they're locked and loaded, that's legit terrifying. And Yaakov, is, Yaakov doesn't know what to do, so he Davins Hashem. He does those three things. We learn from here. This is how you have to deal with Esav. You have to set yourself up for daron, for which means basically a bribe. You have to bribe him. And also, milchama. You gotta get ready for war just in case. The F-35s have to take off. And then finally, you Hashem and you hope that God will help you. But the fact that Yaakov moves into that, that three-headed strategy after he hears that Esav is coming to see him, that means that in the original message, he legit thought that Esav would be like, oh yeah, high five, that's awesome. That's crazy that Yaakov would think that. Yaakov hasn't spoken to him in, in the better part of two decades. Why does he think that he'll he'll do this? But clearly he does. Furthermore, Furthermore, at the end of last week's Parsha, it says that that Lovin's running after Yaakov. And Yaakov is very, very specific about where it is that he has to go. He has to be specifically in Haragilad. How do you know? Because it says Vayasim Panav Haragilad. He puts his face towards Gilad. It doesn't have to tell you where he puts his face. He could say that's where they met up. When it says he puts his face to Haragilad, that must mean that he knows if he can get to Gilad, he'll be fine. Why would he be fine? So Targum says, because he sees in his, his uh, Ruach HaKodesh, he sees in his, in his prophecy that he's going to have a descendant whose name is Yiftach, and Yiftach is from Gilad, and God made miracles for Yiftach and Gilad, and therefore, if, if only he can get to Gilad, everything will be fine. I mean, Yaakov has thousands of descendants who had all sorts of amazing miracles happen to them. So, like, why specifically Yiftach, and why Gilad? It's very strange. Now, you can think, well, that's last week's Parsha, who really cares? But when he opens up with Lavan... He opens up this parsha by telling Esav, I'm love on So clearly it's very, very important to whatever the message is to Esav. It is as follows. As opposed to every other instance of the Shoftim, in Sefer Shoftim, there is one instance where the leader of the Jewish people, in this case Yiftach, makes the case to the United Nations. He doesn't just go out and fight. God doesn't just make some kind of crazy miracle and blow up the opposition, although that does happen, and incidentally, he doesn't tell you how, because that's not the point here. In this case, Yiftach sends a message to the king of Ammon, and he says to him, Excuse me, why are you invading? You have no rights to invade. And the king of Ammon replies, What are you talking about? You stole these pieces of land from us! and they have this whole back and forth, it's a gigantic history lesson, 500 years of Jewish history, saying, excuse me, it's not yours, and if it was, you already would have come, and you didn't take it, and therefore it's mine. What you see from here, you see from here, is that what separates Yiftach from all of the other Shoftim, is that here he has to prove his case in court. He needs the other side to hear his taina and to say, you know what, you're right, you're right. Not because you're stronger, not because I can't beat you, not because God is on your side, but you're right because you're actually right. That's what Yaakov had to do with Lavan. You see, every one of these little interludes that Yaakov has first with, with his father, and then with his brother, and then with his uncle, and then again with his brother, and then with the angel, each one is distinct. Each one is another checkbox that Yaakov has to, has to add to his repertoire. So with, with Lavan, it's not about being stronger. It's about being right. And with on, you can never win. Literally, you can never win. So Yaakov knows if I can get there to Haragilad, then he and I can have it out. And what am I going to do? I'm going to put everything on the floor and say, show me. Show me where I screwed you. Show me. Because as far as I'm concerned, I've been right for 20 years. You have gone out of your way as best you can to destroy all of my money. Tell me what belongs to you. And, and then Lovon has to sign off. And in fact... Exactly and in, in fact he does not Exactly so he's all mine, he's so all he's mine. Doesn't so win in He doesn't win He gets Lovon to sign off that he can go But he never gets Lovon to say Oh you're absolutely right I've been screwing so, you okay. for 20 years so then He's not checking that box That's, He's not getting that He he's got Lovon to say you can go and that's good enough. And that's good enough. What he doesn't get from him, what he never gets from Lovin is an admission that Lovin has been like the most horrible, horrible person. You changed the deal ten times. Lovin never admits to changing the deal ten times. He never admits to it. Like you say, he goes, ah. When Yaakov says, Show me what's yours, show me what's yours and take it. Show me what I stole from you. And you know what Lovin says? He goes, What are you talking about? Everything's mine. All I see is mine. The boys are mine, the girls are mine, the food is mine, the money's mine. It's all mine. It's all mine because you made it, after all, from me, from my principal. But that's okay, we're going to make a bris. We're going to make a covenant. And they do. So he lets him go. He lets him go. But he doesn't ultimately say to Yaakov, you're absolutely right and I and I did you wrong. He never admits to doing him wrong. Now, in fact, the Medrash says that right after they make the treaty, right after they make the treaty, Lavan stunks him immediately. How? He sends messengers to Esav. So before Yaakov's messengers can get to Esav, Lavan's messengers get to Esav. And what do Lavan's messengers say to Esav? Oh, Ezzi, my nephew Ezzi, we haven't spoken in such a long time. You know, your brother's been living with me for 20 years. You know what he did? He screwed me out of all my money. He took all of my entire flock. He stole my daughters, stole my grandchildren, and ran away. He's the same old Yaakov. Which means that when Yaakov's messengers get to Esav, who do they see sitting there in his throne room in the Red Keep? Lavan's guys! Lavan's guys are already there. So they find an of not who's sitting there receptive to the message of, of Yaakov, but rather a guy who's very, very salty, thinking about Yaakov. Same old Yaakov, the same guy who stole from me, now went and stole from Uncle Lavi. And that's what he does. Now, okay, so when he says him Lavan Garty, when he says him Lavan Garty, It's a box. Let's rewind for a moment. Let's rewind to a a covenant that God made with Zaydi Avi over a hundred years earlier. Well over a hundred years earlier. God said to Avram Avinu, listen, we're going to make a deal. You're going to get this land and the bill for this land is what? Egypt. Gullus. Gullus. There's a bill. You get Eretz Canaan. That's that's the whole deal, literally the whole deal of the Torah. From the beginning of Boratius to Le Kol Yisrael, it's all about taking this plot of land, this little piece of strip of land in the Middle East, and giving it to this specific people. That's the whole game. And the bill that you're going to pay for that is a repeated, a repeated exile. You're going to get it the first time, and the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time. In fact, the Medrish associates when, when Yaakov sends the Naglot, he says, You're going to put little uh, stoppages in between each one of these, each one of these, uh, how would you say, nagloth, like caravans. Caravans. So it says, he tells, What do you mean, Says the Medrash, the first galos, the second galos, the third galos, the fourth galos. Because he understands that I'm dealing with Esav. What it means that I'm dealing with asav is that he's going to own this world. He is going to own this world. But then at the other end of him, once we're finished with these four exiles, then it's me. Then it's, then it's Yaakov time. Yaakov comes after. Okay. So, let's talk for a moment about something that we're all familiar with because we say it every single year by the Haggadah. Every single year we say this. It's a Pasuk from Microbikurim. The Pasuk says in Kisavo. That when you, you you plant your beautiful uh, pomegranate tree and you take your first pomegranate and you put it in the basket and you take it up to the temple and you give it to the Kohen and you say, He etc. 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 And the Kohen takes he takes the uh, the basket and he puts it down in front of the is of Hashem. <speaking in Hebrew> and you will respond and say before Hashem your God, Arami <speaking in Hebrew> True or false? You say it every year. Every year you say it. No, he does. He does that. He does. Believe me, I, I've been to his Pesah party. He does. He does. Arami Ovid Avi Vayered Mitzrayma. My father, and Arami tried to kill my father, Vayered Mitzrayma, and he went down to Egypt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Arami Ovid Avi is referring to Lavan. Vayered Mitzrayma is referring to Paro. There are. Decades in between Yaakov being with Laban in Aram and going down to Egypt—they have nothing to do with each other. Why are you invoking Arami ovid Avi when you're talking about going down to Egypt? The entirety, the entirety of Mikrubi Kurim is Egypt-centric. Etc. The whole thing is Egypt-centric. What the heck are you doing talking about Arami Ovidavi? Avi and Arami and tried to kill my father? What it means is that it's formulaic. It's not chronological and it's not historical. It's formulaic. Arami, Oved, Avi, vayerid Mitzrayimah is a theorem. In order to go down to Egypt, what you first have to do is deal with Lavan. So there are checkboxes. So yeah, it's true. God promised Avraham. He goes, yeah, you're going to get this land. But there's a bill. There's Gullahs. Before you can get to Gullahs, before you can even go down there to Egypt, you know what you have to do? You're going to have to deal with Zadi Lavan. You're going to have to be able to integrate Mirma into yourself. That's what you need. Once you get that, you can form a family. A family is what goes down to Egypt, not a nation. A nation doesn't go down to Egypt. A nation emerges from Egypt. So now listen again to the Pasuk. He lived there with a few people. And there he became a tremendous nation that was multitudinous. So it was there that you became the nation. But what you needed in terms of the ingredients of the DNA of the people, to go there and to see it, that had to first get through Lavan. So it's imperative. So when Yaakov says to Esav, "Im Lavan garti," he's not saying to him, or I should say, he's not merely saying to him, "Oh, I'm such a big sotah; I kept all the mitzvahs." That's not as interesting. What he's saying is, I checked the box by Lavan; I dealt with it; I'm alive; I'm intact; and I'm here. That's what he's saying to him. Now, why would he think that Esav would be happy with that?
1: Also, also,
0: why, why do? You <laughs> how does sending gifts? Well, he didn't send gifts yet. He only sends oh, gifts, just, this right? Is this, is the the gift. this is the opener. This is the opener. He thinks he's going to be fine. He hasn't come up with the idea to send gifts yet. Right. When they come back and they're like, right. he's like, oh my gosh, and now he goes into like into you know triple threat mode with the gifts and with the and with the preparation for war and with the and with the davening. Yeah, take me back. Take me back.
1: So my 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 only question is is that you were focusing for a moment before you connected very nicely. Love on Love on and Guardian. Yeah. But before that, you were dealing with Yaakov and Yaakov with the with the, uh, with the messengers of Love on. Yeah. Now, look, uh, Asa and Yaakov were twins, right? Yaakov lifted the rock from the three shepherds. Coming. Yeah, from strong, strong dude. Eye. Strong and, so, dude. and just like Yaakov was an intellectual, you have to assume that he didn't only have the same similar strength of Asaph. Asaph wasn't an idiot either. No. Probably take it, right? So he knows who his uncle is. Yeah. And he knows what his uncle's disposition is like. So why all of a sudden? Oh, I get messages from Uncle Lavan, as you call him. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he, everything he's telling me is the truth. He's got to be like. <laughs> There's an angle here. Tell so me something.
0: He Tell me something. Unless he who just is?
1: Wanted
0: to. Lavan is the world's greatest manipulator the greatest manipulator. If he's gonna drop something to Esau, do you think Except he's gonna... To... What's that? When
1: came to Eleazar and Suro
0: and the With Eliezer? Eliezer. Oh, I, I think not that way. In fact, I think that, that Lovin would have won and that's why Eliezer was so adamant that he had to leave immediately. He was, we can't stay. If we stay for a day, we'll get eaten alive. So we have to get out, so we to get out right? We have to leave. And he, and he forced the issue, right? Yeah, he literally forces the issue to get out because if they would have stayed, they would have been gone, donezo. So the fact that he, that he knows precisely which buttons to push vis-a-vis Asav in terms of his brother and, his, and his, his insecurities and all of his terrors about his brother, like he knows exactly where to push. So now let's understand, why would Yaakov think that is going to be happy to see him? So, listen, Yaakov, Yaakov maintains that he never did anything wrong. That's clear. At no point does he ever say to his brother, brother, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. I ruined your life. I supplanted you. I took your place. I bumped you off the train. He never says anything like that. Why not? Cause he cause he didn't ruin his life? Doesn't Asa think he ruined his life? You took my you you took my place. You took my birthright. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's true, that's true. Yakov bought, Yaakov bought the Bechorah. He did not buy the Bracha. He did not buy the Bracha. You know that, how do you know they're two different things? Let's prove it. Because when Esav comes in, let's understand, let's make sure that everybody understands the question. He's saying that, no, 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 what do you mean? Yaakov bought the Bechorah from Esav, fair and square, Esav sold it to him, and therefore why does he have a problem? It's the Bechorah is what he bought, not the bracha, not the blessing. How do you know that's true? Because when Esav comes in and realizes that Yaakov stole the blessing, he says, Oh, o Yaakov, That's why his name's Yaakov, because he screwed me twice. As lakach, berchasi. First he took my Bechorah, and now he took my bracha. So clearly they're two different things. That No, because he's saying he manipulated me out of this one. So why did he never have an issue with that until now? It's, it's a beautiful question. I think it's worthwhile to address that. So, if Esav himself never had a problem with the fact that he sold the Bechorah fair and square, why all of a sudden does he have a problem now? But that makes sense, because now that I see that he stole my, my bracha, now I realize that he was manipulating me from the get-go. And therefore, it wasn't. I realize it wasn't on the up and up. When he took my Bechorah, I thought that we had a good deal. It was a deal. I made a deal. He made a deal. Everyone was happy with it. So for 60 years, no one had a problem. And now, all of a sudden, I have a problem. Why? Because I see his true colors now. The blessing showed me that he manipulated me 50 years ago.
1: Correct. The blessing.
0: Correct. No, it's not. It's not the same thing.
1: Right. What's the big deal? Who goes first for the
0: blessing? It's not. It's not about who goes first. It's about which blessing you get. Esau's blessing is a blessing of dominance over this world, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to dominate the world. What Yaakov essentially is is proving to his father and to his brother is that Esau is not interested in developing the world. Esau wants to have nothing to do with the development of the world. He just wants the joy, basically. He wants the pleasure. So therefore, what Yitzchak tells him, what Yitzchak tells him, it's really, it's worth going over this ulecha. We have to. We're going to have to do this. The pasuk says that when that when when Asaf comes in, he starts to cry to his father, Oh, no, what? You only have one bracha. You don't have another blessing for me. Please give me a Give me a bracha. And he cries. And then Yitzchak says, Oh, you know what? Fine. He gives him a bracha. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Do you have a bracha for him, or you don't have a bracha for him. If you have a bracha for him, then why are you being such a jerk and making him cry? Give him the bracha. And if you don't have a bracha for him, then what does it help that he cries? And you're like, oh, okay, fine, I'll give you a bracha. If it's not real, then what are you just like patronizing him? So there's an unbelievable dasikinim. The dasikinim says that when Yitzchak says to Yaakov Avinu, not Yaakov, excuse me, the Esav, Ulecha Efo Ma Esbeni, Ulecha is written in the Torah, Vav Lamid Chaf Hey. Which is not a you write l'cha. L'cha is va is, is lam and chav, lam and chav. What's lam chav? Hey, so so the says that it's a remez to five, meaning five thousand years. What Yitzhak is saying to Esav is Ulakha, All I can do for you is give you five thousand. At the end of five thousand years, at the end of time when Mashiach comes, not the end of time, but at the end of this era when Mashiach comes, at that point there's nothing else that I can do for you. So what he's saying to what he's saying to Esav is your bracha. I can't just give a bracha willy-nilly, oh, you get a bracha, you get a bracha. It's not, it's not Oprah. A bracha is specific and indigenous to you. And therefore, a bracha that's good for you and that's relevant to you won't work for him. So I can't give you a different bracha. You don't think you don't think that Yitzchak had another bracha? I'll prove to you that he did. Which bracha do you think he was planning on giving Yaakov at initiate? So clearly he had another bracha. But he can't give Esau the bracha he was planning on giving Yaakov. That would be absurd. It's ridiculous. He has to give him the bracha that's for him. So the only bracha that he can give Esav is an Esav type of bracha. But once he's given that bracha in infinity to Yaakov, he goes, it's over. So all I could give you is a temporary bracha. You can have temporary control and domination over the world for 5,000 years. Enjoy it, because when you're done, it's over. And Esav is happy with that, because that's all he wants. So when they finally meet up, and Esav says to Yaakov, hey, brother, let's go together. I'll come with you. And Yaakov says, what are you talking about you're going to come with me? You don't want to come with me. You don't want to walk through Auschwitz and Treblinka and Khmelniki and the Torkamadas. Like, you don't want to do that. Why are you pretending? And Esav's like, ah, hey, you know what? You're right. You're right. I really don't. So when Yaakov sends a message to his brother saying, my brother, you're going to be so happy for me because I've been doing very, very well, he means it. He says, let's let's be real. Let's be real. This is not for you. It was never for you. I had to take it from you back then because you weren't ready to admit it to yourself. Now this we know is the case. We know this. It has to be a fact. Because Rivka says something to her son which otherwise makes absolutely no sense. It's patently insane. After Yaakov steals the bracha from his older brother, she says to him, ah, go run away for a few days to my brother Lavan's house and then until he forgets everything that you did to him. Really? Really? He's gonna forget what you did to him? Have you ever heard of anything more insane than to think that Aesop's gonna forget what Yaakov did to him? And yet Rivka is not a looney tune and she thinks that he's going to. Why? Because mother, she does, because she literally does. She goes, I know my sons and I'm telling you that he doesn't want this and it's not for him and he hasn't admitted it yet to himself. He hasn't admitted it to himself! But he will, but he will and he'll be fine with it and sure enough and sure enough, he is fine with it. He is fine. How do you know that he's fine? I'll prove it to you from something that happens later in Pachas Vayishlach. It says when they finally get to Beit El, that Devorah, the maidservant, not the maidservant, excuse me, the meneket, the nursemaid, uh, the nursemaid nurse of Rivka dies. Devorah, the nursemaid of Rivka dies. So so Rashi says, excuse me, I'm very confused. Um, why would Devorah have been in with Yaakov? Like, what does that mean? You've never heard about this before. So Rashi says, oh, because Rivka said that when it's good to come home, when your brother forgets about it, I'm going to send for you. So who did she send? She sent Devora. Okay, but you understand that that means that Rivka thought that at some point Esav was already over it because she sent Devorah. So Rivka says that Esav already signed off on you getting the blessings before he even came home. So clearly he was okay with it. Now, you'll bring another proof that he's okay with it. At the end of the Parsha it says, that Esau took all of his kids, and he, well, his wives first, took his wives and his children and his money and all of his assets. And he went to a different, a different land. He went to a different land. Why does he go to a different land? So Rashi cites the Medrash because he says, I'm not going to get Eretz Canaan and I don't want to have to pay the bill for Eretz Canaan. And if you stick around in Eretz Canaan, there's a very, very hefty bill to pay. Basically, your children are going to have to be slaves in the Labrea tarpits tar pits for 400 years. And uh, no, thank you. I don't want that. So what do you have to do? You have to vacate. You have to get off the premises. And he does. And he moves to Seir. He moves to Seir. So that means that he is openly signing off that Yaakov is going to get the bracha of Avraham and not him. He's okay with that. So let's go back to the beginning of our Parsha. When Yaakov sends messengers to Esav saying, Hey brother, I'm doing really, really well. I made a lot of money. I dealt with love and I checked the box. I'm ready to go down to Egypt. And you should be happy. He really thinks that Esav is going to be happy. And when they come back and they say, by the way, your brother's not so happy. Now Yaakov gets afraid. So now, according to the Medrash, now we have a new appreciation for what the Medrash said. The reason that Esav did not respond the way that Yaakov thought he would was because people showed up five minutes before and did a totally different spin on what they're about to hear. So they came in and said, oh yeah, your brother came home. By the way, he screwed me also and he took all my money and he took my daughters and he ran away. And then all of a sudden Yaakov's guys knock on the door and they say, Ezzi, Ezzi, Uncle Ezzi, we're here. And as he's like, oh yeah, I know you. <laughs> oh, I know you, Mr. Shifty Jew. I know you. And he dropped that, he dropped that Garin in his head. So every single possible interaction between Yaakov and Esav is latent in these moments. This is why it says, this is really like unbelievable. The Gemara says that whenever the Chachamim had to go deal with Rome, they would sit down and they would learn Parshish Vayishlach. You're familiar with that Gemara? It's a very, very famous Gemara. It's a Medjush Chazal. So Rebbe, Rebbe, the Hanasi? in fact it says one time, this is great, it's great imagery, it says one time he was supposed to go and he didn't read Parsha's And by the time he got to Akko, they had stolen his horse. was <laughs> like, they stole his horse out from under him. So tell me something. You're telling me that Tanaim, Tanaim, from the time of the Beis HaMikdash, and, and slightly after the second, the, sem- the second Temple time, before they had to deal with Rome, they sat down and read Parshas Vayishlach. Why can't they go to the third grade in Yeshiva Elementary School and ask the Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Lefana Vela Really? You're telling me that like, the Tanoim have to do this? Why? Because it's not about knowing how many, how many different types of, uh, of animals he sent to Esav. It's learning how to deal with Esav. Every possible different connotation of Esav is here. And that's why at the end of the parsha, the end of Parshas Vayishlach, it gives you all the toldos of Esav. Everyone has this question: like, why do I need to know? Aluf, time, Taimon, Aluf, Aluf Aluf, Aluf, Kanaz. Who cares? Who cares? Those names are not only names. It's telling you all the different manifestations of Esav that you're going to have to deal with. So if he's acting, if he's acting with you this way, you're going to have to pivot that way. And if he's acting that way, you have to pivot this way. So every single time they would go and they would re 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 reimagine, re-understand, re-masticate the Parsha to understand how you're going to deal with Esav. That's the idea. So it's, did he kiss him or did he bite him? Did he love him or did he hate him? And the answer is, yes. Yes. Because all of those emotions are there when he sees his brother. He feels both of those things. It's all there at the same time, simultaneously. So Yaakov says to him when they finally meet up, he says, brother... If you want the blessing, take it. The art scroll translates that as "take my tribute," and he's talking about the, the gift, Animals. right? yeah, right? Can you imagine? You imagine a a, a, a more horrific Freudian slip saying days of kachnas birchasie to mean the Lamborghini that I just sent you? Obviously, when you say to him kachnas birchasie, you mean take my bracha. Of course that's what you mean. Cause that's exactly what Yaakov means. Yaakov is saying to Asa, listen, brother, if you want this, I only took it. I only took it because I thought you weren't interested in it. And it was clear to mom that you didn't want to have anything to do with this. But if you do, then by all means I'll step aside and, and I'll take my role. I'll be Yaakov, you'll be Aesov, and together we will be the entity that is called Yisrael. What, and, does that, what
1: does that look like? I was curious, like what is that other brother for Yaakov? And what did like Yaakov hope that Esav was going to exemplify or, or exercise yeah. his potential.
0: Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so... That
1: might have worked if Dina wasn't hidden, which is part of the whole...
0: That's world. correct. That's correct. So, so like this. Esav, of according to the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, the one in the beginning of Avodah Zarah says that Allah said, Allah is going to get all of the different nations together so that they can come and get the scar. They can come and get merit and reward for whatever, they, whatever it is that they did in this world. So it says, who comes first? Rome. Rome comes first. Why? They the Because they're the most chashev. Because they're going to be in charge all the way until Mashiach comes. They're going to be in charge. And if you don't believe me, I mean, read the newspaper. Right? Western civilization has dominated the globe for thousands of years. Okay. So... Hashem says to Rome, What did you do? Why do you deserve any reward? And they say, Well, we made we made all these marketplaces and we created all these bathhouses and we made all this gold and silver, and we only did it so that the Jews could sit and learn Torah. And Hashem says to them, Everything that you did, you did for yourself. So you made you made uh, marketplaces so you could put hordes in them. And you made spas so that you could adorn yourselves. Shalihu, and the money is mine. And he throws them out. Okay. Well, it just so happens. It just so happens that in this week's Parsha, after Yaakov deals with Esav, he goes to a city called Shem. And it says that it says that when he gets to Shrem, Vayichanes He encamps outside the city, and the Gemara says, what does it mean that he encamped outside the city? So there's a three-way machlokas, says the Gemara, He established coinage for them. Or, He created bathhouses for them. He created markets for them. Do you see what it has in in common? Yaakov, when he gets to Shechem, does exactly the things that Esau claims he did to develop the world. Why? Because right now, you're saying that Yaakov is playing the part that is Esav. So if he's playing the part that is Esav, what do you think he does? He develops the world. How does he develop the world? Merchatzos, lahem, shvakim, lahem, and matbeah, tikin lahem. You develop the world through creating rockets and satellites and submarines and infrared and cables. And this is development of the world. That's Esav's role. The thing is, Esav isn't interested in developing it to develop it. He's only interested in what he can get out of it. He's interested in having in having in having, shvakim, in having marketplaces so that he can have Zonos and he can have Merchatzos so that he can be la- aden it's not because he wants to figure out a way to up the world's ante that's not, what, that's not what drives him that's what drives Yaakov. So that's the difference between someone who develops the world because he wants to develop it and someone who develops it because he wants to get something out of it. So, the first 5,000 years is Asaph, and then afterwards it's Yaakov. What's that? How
1: does developing Shem show that aspect of Yaakov?
0: The Vayichan says he did the same three things that Asaph does.
1: Right, but I'm saying you're saying that Asaph does it for one reason, Yaakov does it for another. Reason. Right. But there's no subsequent proof that what Yaakov did in Shem then became the outcome you.
0: It didn't. It didn't work, in fact. But it just shows that because th- there's a disconnect between Yaakov and his kids. So, let's talk about that right now. Let's talk about that right now. Before he runs into Aesov, there's someone that he has to get past, and that of course is Saroshal Aesov. That's the the angel man. So Yaakov, Bayvasar Yaakov Levado, Yaakov remains by himself. <speaking in Hebrew> and he wrestles with this guy up until uh, the sun rises. He wrestles with this dude. Fayar kilo Yakolo. And the man sees that he can't beat him. So he he hits him in the thigh. And Jacob's thigh gets disconnected when he when he fights with the angel. I'll ask you a very very simple question. You yeah, know, it's a little bit baffling, frankly, that people don't ask that question. It's an obvious question. He saw he couldn't beat him, and therefore he hit him in the thigh. Do you see the problem? You don't see the problem. <coughs>
1: It's not a very strategic
0: area. When would you hit him? You hit him when you see you can't beat him? When do you hit him? When do you strike your opponent? When well, you're still trying to beat him. Of course, when you're trying to beat him, you bring everything that you possibly can to bear in the war. You hit him and 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 you try to you try to knock him down. You see if you can win. What's When he saw he couldn't beat him, that's when he hits him. He him. He's to a it must be. It must be. So it must be that whatever the angel is doing by hitting Yaakov over there has nothing to do with winning because he's already seen that he cannot win. So what's the pshat? Pshat's like this. We see all throughout Bereshach, Fosok says, Fosok says, that the children of Yaakov are known as those who exited his thigh. They came out of his thigh. When it says, he saw that he couldn't beat him so he hits him in the thigh. What that means is, he can't be Yaakov but Yaakov's children are vulnerable. He can beat Yaakov's kids. So he hits him in the children. There's a deficiency in Yaakov's children. Why is there a deficiency in Yaakov's children? Because Yaakov, no, and I'll tell you why it's not a euphemism, that's a great question, we'll get to that in one moment. It means as follows, means as follows. Yaakov, the reason that he can't be Yaakov is because Yaakov is a perfect Esav. Yaakov has, has taken over the role of Esau in a perfect way. There's nothing deficient there. He can develop the world in all the ways that Aesop was supposed to develop the world had he wanted to. So he's not vulnerable. But his kids are not. Yaakov's kids are unfortunately, let's just say not perfect. <laughs> very, very heavily imperfect. And therefore, he hits the children in the, in the deficiencies. And that's why immediately after it says, al B'nei That's why the B'nei Yisrael do not eat the Gid It's not a kosher issue. If it's a kosher issue, it shouldn't be in Safer Beresh, it should be at, at, at earliest in Parsha Shmini. There are no B'nei Yisrael, yet there is no Torah yet. The point is, it's a deficiency in the B'nei Yisrael themselves. And they recognize it as such. It's and therefore, they do not embody the role perfectly that Yaakov does. Yaakov embodies the role perfectly. The kids don't. They can't
1: I mean, how could you finger. have expectations? All the kids are going like, to be perfect, like that. Um...
0: We, we do, in fact, have that expectation that, that the kids are perfect. Um, when we say that the kids are perfect, so let's take Michael's question for a moment. If are you saying that if the Torah wants to say that he that he hit him in the uh, he hit him in the in the cojones, yeah? It's like, well, it doesn't want to say he hit him in the cojones, so instead he uses a euphemism and says he hit him in the thigh. But the Torah is not prude. So the Torah wanted to say that he hit him in the Mavushav, It would say he hit him in the Mavushav. It means, it means, Yaakov's children are not deficient in terms of in terms of what they are. They're deficient in terms of how they act. Let's listen to a very very simple difference. Yaakov is obsessed with making sure that he has twelve sons who are perfect. Who are perfect. They have to have all of the DNA all of the possible ramifications for Klal Yisrael for the next forever, for the next infinity. And if there's anything missing, and it's not me or shlema, then you have nothing. So just like Avram Avinu had a kid who wasn't any good, and Yitzchak had a kid who wasn't any good, but for some reason, Yaakov thinks that if I have a kid who isn't any good, then everything is gone. Why? Because he says, that's it. This is where the thing gets locked. These are the 12. There is no 13th. It's these 12 or bust. So if they don't have all the necessary pieces inside of them to create Claudius Kl- Kl- role for eternity, I've lost and it's over. That's why, that's exactly why he won't give up right morning on Yosef because the game is over if Yosef is dead. If he loses one, he's lost all. So 12 equals one and 11 equals zero. If you don't have 12 tribes, you have none. That's the point. So it means that they have all of the necessary, the necessary pieces inside of them but they don't actualize properly they're deficient and therefore he doesn't hit him in the crotch he hits him in the thigh they can't stand on their own is the issue this is also why this is also why so immediately after immediately after he has been yamin all of a sudden ruvain does something that seems like really a very minor thing he moves a bed he moves a bed he took his father's bed out from Billa's tent, and he puts it into Leah's tent. Oh my goodness gracious, the shanda like you've never heard in your life. It's as if he slept with his father's concubine, and now he's going to lose everything. He loses his, his, his monarchy, and he loses his firstbornness, and he loses his kahuna. Why does he lose all those things? Because we just said that Yaakov's children have to be absolutely perfect. Mishka voshalein. Every single piece has to be in line. The second you take the bed out of here and move it there, what you're saying is there is no rhyme and reason to which kid has to go when and where the bed has to be. Well, if you believe that, then you have just lost your ability to gain what you were supposed to gain from being first. So there goes your monarchy and there goes your double portion and there goes your kahuna. Your double portion goes to Yosef, your kingship goes to Judah and your du- and your uh, kahuna goes to Levi.
1: And we also see that when he's addressing bringing Benjamin back from the and the difference is Ideas, of his strategy of getting to back and Yehud.
0: And Ruvayn's, yes, he's, Ruvayn is very impetuous. Shnei I Thomas, so we're going to have to deal with that, Amir Shem and Parshas Miketz. Here's the bottom line in, in Parshas Vayishlach, as we see, even though we left out so very, very much. Basically, Yaakov seemingly stole a blessing from his older brother. You can't steal a blessing. And it's never, it's never, it was never about stealing a blessing. It was about Asav opting out from a role. It was supposed to be, every child has this question, why are there three fathers and four mothers, right? The the asymmetry must have bothered you when you were a kid. Never? Never bothered you why there are three fathers and four mothers? Oh, four are the mothers and three are the fathers and two are the one is Hashem. Okay, so maybe that was was your answer, right? That was your... (laughs) It drove me nuts. It drove me nuts. As someone who's like, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. I don't do not got party to It's very weird. The idea is cause it's not supposed to be three and four. It's supposed to be four and four. It's supposed to be Avram Yitzchak, Aesav Yaakov Sarah, Rivka Leah, Rachel. No, but
1: it, it ties right into what you said. When role, and now he needs to marry his wife. He to
0: role as it goes to claro que si. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. So that means that Esau was supposed to be there and he was supposed to have the wife and he was supposed to have six tribes and it would have been perfect and it would have been symmetrical. But since he opts out, now Yaakov has to have a double role. And if he has to have a double role, now he's going to have to have double wives. And not only does he have to have double wives, he's going to have to have a double name. So in this week's Parsha, he gets the other name. Who does he get the name from? So that means that he has to get everyone's sign off that he is who he says he is because you can't steal the bracha. So first he needs his father to admit to it, which he does immediately when he says, Gam and then he needs Asaph to sign off on it. And he needs Asaph's angel to sign off on it. And then he needs God to sign off on it. So finally, after 20 years in Parsis Vayishlach, he can come face to face with the angel of Asaph And that's Vaye'avek, which means that they were an avuka. They were intertwined with each other. It doesn't mean they were having a wrestling match. I mean, it does and it doesn't. It means that they were literally intertwined to see which of us is a better manifestation of the concept of Asaph and he saw that he could not beat him he is a better manifestation of me than I am and therefore he's forced to sign off on it and to say your name is not Yaakov it's Yisrael that's why he's the only father that gets two names and you say what are you talking about sprung Avram got two names first he was Avram then he was Avraham yes and no but Avram you're not allowed to call him Avram anymore he is Avraham but Yaakov is still Yaakov even though he's Israel. Yisrael He's both. Why is he both? Because he's two figures. He's not one. He has to be two. This is why Esav comes at the very end and tries to get back into the Ma'ara Pela, Because there still should theoretically be room for him. So the Parsha of Yishlach is all about Yaakov saying to his brother, Bro, we good? We good? And Esav says to him, We good. And right there in Rashi, black on white, Yehilacha Asherlach, Kan la brachos says, yeah, you can have the brachos because I'm going to get 5,000 years and that works for me. I'm happy with my 5,000. What comes after that brother? You can have that. I'm not interested. And that, my friends, in a nutshell, is Parsha Vayishlach.